For Tuesday, August 4th, 2020, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Emil Moffat, in for Sam Whitehead. Today, the election and the pandemic. Georgians have already voted once this year, and for many, it did not go well. So what's being done to fix that? For the runoff, there's supposed to be a technician in every polling place in Metro Atlanta. And for the general election, there's supposed to be a technician in every polling place across all of Georgia. Solving technical issues is one thing, but having enough poll workers and polling places are some of the other challenges facing elections officials. We talk with reporter Mark Nisi, who covers voting for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. I waited in this line right here, and it took us three hours, three hours to get up here. We were told this morning the line wrapped around on the street, and the machines didn't connect properly, so that's disappointing. It's fine, we're gonna wait. Yeah, it's worth it. Even if it rains, we're still gonna wait, right? Those were the voices of voters in Fulton and DeKalb County on June 9th during Georgia's primary elections. Long lines greeted many voters on that day, especially in the state's larger counties. So what happened? For the first signs the pandemic would be a major factor in how the election was run, you have to go back to early March, before the first of two postponements because of COVID-19. That's when, as AJC reporter Mark Nisi tells us, many of the familiar faces we're used to seeing at the polls started to disappear. Without poll workers, elections can't really happen. You need poll workers to check voters in, move them through the process, show them how to use Georgia's voting equipment. So each polling place needs at least three poll workers, if not more. And when they started to say they were unwilling to participate and risk their health at in-person voting locations, that caused a major problem for election officials. Uh, And then the primary was delayed, uh, the March presidential primary. And on March 24th, what was supposed to be the day of the primary, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger announced he was going to send out absentee ballot applications to all 6.9 million active voters in the state, was something that was unprecedented. And uh, Georgia's actually really responded uh, to that, uh, but it ended up not being the smoothest process. What were some of the issues that that came up as the result of, of so many people requesting absentee ballots? Some of the issues were people requesting absentee ballots and then waiting a long time for them to be delivered, especially in Fulton County, which kind of parsed out how it 
managed absentee ballot mailings where they initially sent out absentee ballots to those who had physically mailed in their absentee ballot application form and then later sent out absentee ballots to those who had emailed their absentee ballot request forms and that caused a delay. Then also there were voters who were confused by the process, who didn't know they had to pick a political party, for example, or accidentally picked nonpartisan for their ballot and then were frustrated when they didn't see candidates for races such as U.S. House of Representatives and Georgia General Assembly on their ballots. So it was difficult, especially for election offices not prepared to deal with so many absentee ballots and for voters who hadn't voted absentee in the past. And then we have another delay in May. We finally get to Election Day itself on June 9th. And by this time, dozens of polling places are no longer available because of safety concern. What effect does this have on the way things turned out on June 9th? Well, with fewer precincts, you had more people crammed into each polling place, and that created an additional burden for voters. It created more lines because you had more voters to process through. And when combined with the social distancing requirements of the coronavirus pandemic, it caused for a very slow voting process. Yeah, and you mentioned some of those those precautions. Uh, talk about the way that that polling places ended up having to be set up because of social distancing requirements. Well, first of all, outside, voters were told to stand six feet apart and wait in line. And the real bottleneck occurred inside, where only a few people were allowed inside buildings at a time, sometimes as few as four voters at a time in small rooms, because you had to keep six feet away and you couldn't have more than 10 or so people inside a room at a time. And then in addition, voting machines had to be kept six feet apart so that the people couldn't be within six feet of each other. So that limited how many voting machines could be in use at a time. So social distancing requirements really played out in a way that yes, people were kept apart to minimize the risk of contamination, but at the same time, it did cause for a slower process. There were also delays on June 9th that had to do with the uh, the new voting equipment and, and the unfamiliarity with many poll workers of, of how to use this. Uh, we heard a lot of talk going into the primaries of, you know, would the new voting machines uh, be secure? Would they operate properly? But actually, some of the problems that were experienced on June 9th seemed a little bit more simple, uh, elementary than that. The biggest problem with the new voting equipment was poll workers who didn't know exactly how to operate it and didn't have experience hands-on of how to get it started and working correctly. Many poll workers who were newer, replacement poll workers for the more experienced ones, they only had gone through online training on how to use these machines. So that allowed for some simple to happen, but difficult to resolve problems to crop up for those who didn't know how to fix them. Some of the most common problems were things like the button to turn on a power supply had to be held in for three seconds to get something to start up. And you had poll workers who were just pushing it and expecting things to start up right away. It's something you wouldn't know unless you paid very close attention to the training and the instructions. It wasn't something they were able 
to practice. We also saw examples of poll workers not knowing their password to get into the electronic poll books, which are the voter check-in computers. And then you also had the voter card encoders inserted upside down or backward, and they had to be inserted the correct way with the power cord coming out of the top and the voter card facing the poll worker so it could be encoded correctly to allow the voter to vote on the machine. So we call those technical difficulties. They are, um, and a lot of them can be resolved by better training and more experience by the poll workers. For a lot of them, this was their first time using this voting equipment. And uh, images that we saw on June 9th um, that, that even you know got picked up nationally were of long lines and hours-long waits, um, predominantly in, in the more, more populous counties, Fulton and DeKalb, but there were also some issues across the state. What were you seeing uh, as far as your reporting goes, as far as um, the, the statewide rollout of, of the new machines and uh, you know the primaries on June 9th? We did see waits in populated areas especially, different counties did better than other counties. Um, All of the four core metro Atlanta counties had some degree of difficulty at some polling places. But you can see a difference between Fulton County, which had the most hurdles, and some of the other counties. And again, every county had some issues. Um, The biggest problems were in the places that closed the most precincts, had the most poll workers quit, and had the highest number of voters in those consolidated precincts. And that was largely in Fulton County, followed by DeKalb, Gwinnett, and Cobb. After June 9th, we've seen uh, quite a few task forces, and we've seen a couple legislative hearings regarding what happened on uh, June 9th with the primaries. What are some of the things that counties and the state are trying to do differently, not only in August, but for November as well? I think we'll see a lot of things change, a lot of small things that could make a difference, such as an online voter absentee ballot application process where people won't have to fill out a paper form anymore. They can just do it on a website and then you will be sent an absentee ballot that's supposed to be ready sometime in the next few weeks, hopefully. Um, Certainly not in time for the runoff, but hopefully in plenty of time for the November election. Another big step will be adding more polling places. If you have more places to vote, then voters won't have to wait behind other people so long because they'll be more spread out. There's a big effort to hire more poll workers. There's troubleshooting manuals that are being sent out. Election officials are setting up the equipment days in advance. I heard that in Gwinnett County, instead of setting up voting machines on the Sunday and Monday before the election, they're now setting up their voting machines starting the Wednesday before the election, just because these voting machines are bigger and bulkier and harder to transport, it takes more time to get them in place. And perhaps one of the biggest changes is technicians in precincts, just in case there are either user difficulties or technical problems with voting equipment. For the runoff, there's supposed to be a technician in every polling place in Metro Atlanta. And for the general election, there's supposed to be a technician in every polling place across all of Georgia. 
And we've seen some efforts by elections officials to try to get people, to try to drive people to either vote early in person or use those absentee uh, mail-in ballots uh, as well. Um, And we've seen an example of that in Fulton County with the use of State Farm Arena. Um, Talk about the ways that that elections officials are trying to really drive people to vote outside of Election Day itself. A lot of it is getting the information out to the public, trying to encourage people to vote early and vote absentee. And as you mentioned, the opening of State Farm Arena provides one large central location that can accommodate a lot of people at the time. But it will be difficult. People and voters in particular are generally most accustomed to voting the way they always have. While we had many new absentee voters in advance of the primary, and we're seeing some of them voting absentee again after they did it once, we'll still have a lot of people who are just in the habit of voting on election day, or if they do vote early, voting on the Thursday or Friday before the election, which are some of the highest turnout days for in-person voting. So it will really take a lot of getting the word out and a lot of educating voters and perhaps advertising and also news coverage of letting people know that there are voting options other than election day for voters to be able to participate and absentee voting is one of those options where as long as you get your ballot in in time you don't have to wait in any line the secretary of state's office has said it does not plan at least at this point on sending out those applications uh, as it did in June for the November general election. Some counties have um, shown some indication that they may do that. What are some of the factors that that you're hearing as far as counties uh, deciding to do that? We're seeing county boards of elections, especially in Cobb and DeKalb counties, ask for county funding to send absentee ballot applications. It's very unclear whether that funding will actually come through. And I wouldn't necessarily count on it because it does cost money. It is something that voters can do on their own without the government spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to automatically send absentee ballot application forms. Besides the cost, another concern is just the workload on county election officials. When you encourage so many people to vote absentee, which is a great option, but election officials, as we saw in the primary, can easily get overwhelmed by the volume of absentee applications. And you can imagine if there were 1.1 million absentee voters in advance of the primary, how many more there could be in advance of November. And that'll just be hard for election officials to deal with when in the past absentee voting made up five or six percent of all votes. And we saw in the primary it went up to 48 or 49 percent of all votes. So that's just a challenge. It's something that election officials are trying to accommodate, but the quick ramp up and not having the experience and the processes in place to handle so many mailed ballots certainly caused problems in the primary and probably would again if we saw such a high level of absentee voting. On the other hand, election officials are encouraging it. Every person who votes absentee is one less person at the polls. So Either way you look at it, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. Mark Nisi, Georgia government reporter for the AJC. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. 
You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Emil Moffat, in for Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary. But when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate. And thanks.